Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast that's all about wine and what makes wine special. And what makes wine special, you ask? Place, people, stories. To share all these things at table over what's in this bottle will truly enhance life in a magical way. It's truly the definition, figuratively and literally, sharing of where wine takes you and how lucky we are to have these conversations about and in a wine country as blessed as Paso Robles. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Encourage you always to share the podcast with a friend who loves wine, podcasts, shoot wine podcasts, Paso, puppies, rainbows, anyone who loves things like this, they will love this podcast. And when you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, you do great things. I've seen like three or four emails that have come to me that said that people have canceled their Napa trips to come to Paso. I was like, damn, I still want to be liked when I go to Napa too, but man, I'll take it. Thanks for visiting Paso Robles Wine Country. Some recent reviews that are just so great to read, and I love getting what you like about the podcast. It means so much. Here's one from Clay Va. I don't know if I'm saying this right. It's always like a username, so it's tough. I'm so hooked on this podcast. Adam's approach and delivery makes it easy to feel like we are there in the room with him and his guests. I love that. That's a great compliment, and that's the point, really. And listening makes me feel like I'm getting insider info on the Paso wine industry. Well, you are. And I want so badly to go try every winery in Paso. I've been to many over the years, but not nearly enough. Can't get enough of this podcast. I've listened to every episode at least twice. Wow. Thanks for the great product, Adam. Keep them coming. That's so nice, Clay, but thank you. Here is Jay Sharnick. This is hands down my favorite podcast to enjoy and can revisit old episodes again and again. I love hearing that theme where they're kind of evergreen in the sense you can go back and really listen to them again and still get a lot from them. You could tell Adam loves his job, indeed I do, and makes you want to visit every winery he has on the show. I love it. Uh, here's one who won one of the books from last week in the drive through Paso book. This is Ali D. Where Wine Takes You is absolutely my favorite podcast. Started listening on a road trip up to Paso last year. Love to hear real conversations with winemakers and to learn all about the aspects of winemaking. Been making my list of where wine will take me on my next trip to Paso based on this podcast. Adam Antil is a great host and his passion for wine comes through in every episode. Oh, just like a genuinely great person. Wow, Ali, you are super sweet. I love you. Uh, finally, uh, B. Bechel. Peschel, B. Peschel. Paso is one of my favorite wine destinations, and I love hearing about and keeping up to date with the news and the latest happenings in this area. So much more to explore, and I don't get to travel here enough. I literally returned from the store and bought my first Jaylor wine after listening to Steve Peck talk about their wine and philosophy, and I'm excited to try it. Keep bringing all the good news about wine in the Paso area. Adam, well, you know I will. Thank you so much, B. Peschel. So if you want to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, it helps so much. It makes my day, our day, all of our day over here, and we just love it. Okay, on to today's episode. Today we're talking to two well-respected winemakers who have other labels that you need to know about, kind of like a second label to their original brand that they started. Now, lots of reasons why a brand will come out with another label, a second label, and today you're going to hear two of those unique stories. One returning guest and one new guest. We'll hear from Edgar Torres of Bodega de Edgar and Straight Out of Paso. We had him on, I want to say like episode 10, 
in what is now his new place for his second label. Can't wait to talk to Edgar again. I always love having him on. He's a great story and just a great dude. Also, really stoked to chat with Carl Bowker of Caliza Winery. Carl is one of the most respected farmers in Paso. Dude knows his stuff. His wines are just outstanding. They keep getting better. and It's like one of these brands where are like, how do the wines keep getting better and better and better? And I can't wait really to get both these guys together and see what comes of it. I show up to Tin City, as I have done so many times, at End of the Day Wines, which is Carl's other brand, other location, where we settle into one of my favorite places to record, and that's the cellar. The smells, the temperature, surrounded by barrels. I love it. Let's get right into it. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is Camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. <laughs> Edgar, I love it. Look at this. Uh, I'm excited. We got Carl Bowker. We got Edgar Torres. Now, uh, we're hanging out. I, I miss these shows. I miss shows, Carl, where I'm feeling like the cool from, you know, because sellers always have that feel, that smell. And it's been a while since we just set up in a, a real cellar, and I love it. So thanks for having us here. Absolutely. Glad yeah, you're here. Thank you. Tin City, baby. You were one of the first kind of folks to move in here. Yeah, not not exactly the first, but but we've been here a long time. Your first generation, yeah, right, um, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, there was some guys that started before and and sort of paved the way, but yeah, we were soon thereafter. We we started uh, we started uh, down a couple buildings down with uh, we were in Matorn and Nicora for a few years, and then uh, we moved uh, across the cul-de-sac here and leased a building with Jacob Toft. We le- we leased that building for five years. After the first four years, we were both making so much wine, one of us had to go. So I then leased this building across the cul-de-sac. How do you figure that out? You flip a coin or what? <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I don't know. It just worked out. Rock, paper, scissors. It, it just, yeah, I just want I wanted more space than that building. This, yeah, this, the square footage here is actually more than we had over there so it worked out better since yeah. we, were, we were making more wine so. Edgar how would we settle that we'd be like tequila shots till someone drops um, loser I'm gets game. the building I'm game <laughs> loser, gets, <laughs> loser loses the building Edgar Torres what is up my man good to see you dude good to see you thank you for having us back yes because you, you were on the podcast a little over a year ago yeah and we did it from what is now the home Straight of a different outside. brand. Correct. Yeah, no, uh, life is happening a little too fast, and we're trying to keep up with it. So you know, we did an interview for, I think it was episode 10 that we did with Tyler um, at my combine facility, where, which is the production facility for everything I make, and it was the home for Bodega for about two years, and now it's kind of transitioning to become the home for Straight Out of Paso. So Bodega to Edgar, where did you move to? Well, my five-year plan turned into a year and a half later. Uh, right. <laughs> we were very fortunate that the Nadeau family want, uh, estate property came available last summer. And, you know, I just I kicked the tires around it really hard. And once I got a hold of the key, I put it in the ignition, and we just took off with it. So it became ours in December. We're super excited. We're trying to respect what Robert Nadeau and, P- and Patty left there. We're building you know, our home there now in the near future, kind of trying to 
develop it into a, vi- a vineyard for our program with Saraw and Grenache. Well, it's a cool story because this is like a way that you're growing up and growing into your path, uh, but also not the first time that you have, you know, taken over kind of either an estate or the wines of a brand and kind of felt this, you know, desire to show homage and pay respect. But also, I mean, these people, whether it was hug sellers several years ago or maybe now this, these folks are like, well, we're leaving it in good hands. Like, this is pretty cool. You know, I mean, I've, I've been very blessed to grow up in this community and uh, everybody's been so gracious at the opportunities of my desires to learn how to do what I've done and to also push me along because, I mean, once I saw it and I went into escrow, Chris Cherry, who was my first employer in town, was like pushing me to get there sooner than later. Push, go, 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 move in, move in. And I'm like, uh, dude, like there's a process. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> but I've been very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've given a lot of my love and my soul to every program that I worked in that I also respect other people's, you know, dreams and hopes that sometimes can't see it um, beyond their means at times and this is not an easy business as Carl can attest to that too yeah. as well so for me I love and I respect what other people have tried to do before and if we can keep pieces of that onto the place then we'll let it be oh come on Carl it's an easy business right piece of cake <laughs> no actually I was thinking that you know it's it's awesome that you have somebody like Chris that was pushing you everybody needs a, a little somebody to push you this is a scary business actually yeah. we, there's a lot of capital involved here we put a whole heck of a lot of line there's been a, a, you know a number of times in my uh, multiple years here in the business that I've like all the cards are on the table baby and if this doesn't pay we're you know we're, we're packing it up and we're going somewhere else I don't know where that will be but it's almost <laughs> like when you so hear far of, you know knocking away to good you hear of like folks who um, are fantastic singer songs Songwriters, and you're like, man, like I think of like Moonshiner Collective. They play our, our theme song here, you know, and they're a local band here. It's like, dude, you need to be playing in front of like twenty five, thirty thousand people. Yeah, like, so good. But there are so many great winemakers. Like you, great. I mean, you're more than a great winemaker. I mean, you've been known for your farming for a long, long time too. And it's like, and I don't know if it's sometimes maybe uh, some crazy press that helps early on or whatever. But you look at some people who did get press, and you're like, well, I think Carl's wines are better than those. You know what I mean? <laughs> Do you ever think that sometimes? Yeah, oftentimes, yeah, you know, go, but. But, uh, you know, I'm just I'm just happy with what we do. And I'm, Some of and it's I'm, that luck ha- or that strike. Yeah, for, for me, it's all about just, you know, always pushing, always striving to be the very best. And uh, and uh, if you get attention, great. But as long as I'm proud of the wines that we're making and, and, the, and the, the way we're treating our land and, and, and the vineyard and the outcome, really, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, no pun intended, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm proud of what we've done. And, and, and I can sleep good at night. You know, that's important. What did you learn first, farming or winemaking? Well, you know, I came from the horticulture business, so farming came more naturally to me. The viticulture came uh, much more naturally. You know, previously I was growing plants in greenhouses and the like, so the, the idea of and understanding plant sciences and and that came simply more simply for me. You know, I did some schooling and, and tried to learn the the wine sciences. Then never having had a background in science, you know, much even schooling in that. I have a business degree, but you know, over the years they they come together and you really get a sense of it. You know, the way I look at it too is that we aren't. Uh, uh, we aren't making wine by the numbers. We're not making wine by a recipe. We're not making wine by, you know, 
uh, pH and TA, although these are all super important. We're making, you know, we're kind of crafting wines, and we're really making wines that uh, that sing and elevate, and, and, and those are to my palate and, and, and my team's palate. And um, that that's really... That's really the art and the science of wine, and, and I love making wine that way rather than it has to fit this certain spectrum of uh, numbers. You know, you mentioned a few minutes ago about, you know, those nights where you're up awake, like, whew, we got it all on the line, you know, and off the year, we were talking about the 2011 harvest, which often gets panned by folks, but if, if you know Paso wine good, you know there are some great, beautiful wines from 2011. That vintage was gnarly, it was colder, it was wetter, it uh, had an April, uh, I think I want to say early, mid-April frost that was just gnarly, and you really got decimated by it. Yeah, it, it, it hit us very, very hard. I think we lost 35 to 40 percent of our crop that year, and, and literally I was looking at, you know, potential this we, could, we may not be able to survive this and you know that was not necessarily my first years of making wine but I was still finding my way in winemaking and it was how are we going to make wines that people how are we going to make Caliza wines that people know because they're going to be uniquely different 2011 was just not only did we have that frost and um, heavy freeze in April but we also had um, just a cool growing season and uh, and the wines were just different they weren't as Paso bold and they weren't they didn't really show themselves in the same way is that because it was a cold Wetter year, C- cooler year all the way along, and we we, we fortunately got um, you know a little bit, bit of push of uh, a warm weather in in the fall that got us to the end. Now we have this 2011 uh, blend we call Azimuth. I can't believe we have a 2011 in the glass uh, as we're talking because uh, uh, that was uh, not planned. That's so uh, cool. A GSM, <laughs> oh right on. Uh, a GSM, uh, the, one of our uh, most popular wines. But you know, early on, I, I thought this these wines. I'm not sure about these wines, but they've they've really um, matured and they're so elegant. And they're so, you know, they really showcase the fruit in a more elegant, uh, soft, polished way than some, you know, the 2012 after it and the 2010 prior to it. From 2012 on, it was just like warm, warm, hot, hot, hot. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I'm happy that, you know, that we still have a few library bottles this we could share because it really turned out to be a, an exceptional vintage. Uh, it's and beautiful wine. Wines, thanks. What do you think of this 2011, Edgar? I'm loving it. I think it's super structure. It still has a lot more age to go to as well. I mean, it's savory. It's spicy. It's indicative to that cool climate vintage that we experienced. The acidity and just the minerality just carry it nicely. I love it. Do you go back to wines like this and go, man, if what I know about farming right now, you know, if I had that 2011 vintage now, oh, I would crush it. I would do so much different. Or is it like, do you go back into your old wines and, and your farming acumen in these older years and go, I'm good with it. I couldn't do any better than that's right now. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in the cellar, there's things that we could have done differently, the, the ways to approach it and, you know, cool, cool years moving forward. If we ever have one, yeah, right. <laughs> um, you know, I'm, I might have a better, better knowledge of it. I mean, Kaliza wines and my, the wines that I like to make with, for our brand um, are, you know, site-driven first, Paso, and then our Willow Creek Vineyard, and then vintages. We play with the vin. So it is what the vintage allowed us, whiz what the vintage provided us, and so I love it for that reason. We're showcasing the best of Paso and our estate vineyard with this wine in that vintage. You know, it's hard enough to manage one brand and guide it to success when we have Mother Nature and so many things that play, you know, big roles in what we're doing here. But the idea to go like, okay, let's think of a second label. Let's think of, and I know you're going to tell me in a second, because off the year we're talking about, you don't even really think of end of the day as a quote second label. But both of you guys have wines that mean a lot to you that are done under a different label. So I kind of want to talk about both these brands, why we started them, and 
and Edgar, you know, with with Bodegas to Edgar doing what it was. Obviously, I know straight out of Compton, the movie came out, and there was like it was straight out of everything. I mean, everybody was, <laughs> and really we jumped on a theme. And then you, you and I kind of we love hip hop. This kind of jumped on to a theme that I think was very timely, but also uh, something that you could latch on to and really take and run with. With the overwhelming feeling of like success in 2018. I started looking at, like, I brought in Symphondale, and I'm like, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do with this? Like, I'm a Spanish house, but I got a Symphondale in the house, and it's delicious. I always felt like there's a correlation between Symphondale and Grenache. I have a sweet tooth. They bring a lot of red fruits to the table, and I just get playing with it, right? And so found myself in Tahoe li- um, listening to some hip-hop and rap, and we couldn't go snowboarding, and I'm like... Dude, like, I always love Dr. Dre for blending and mixing music, old beats with new beats and all this stuff, and putting some vocals on top of it. And it's just similar to kind of wine blending. You know, you take a little bit of Grenache, and then you, ah, that's too fruity, let's tone it down with some spice, and, like, you start throwing Syrah or whatever into it, right? And so we started just building. 2019, we 2020, we go into it. And I've been doing some negotiation on private label projects that kind of opened up the door to blow this thing up a little bit faster. And so it kind of has helped to kind of establish what we're doing. We're working with, um, we have a dinner vineyard Grenache on the table at the tasting room right now. We have, you know, playing with the Zinfandel from Paper Street, Desinate as well. So we're playing with good quality stuff, but keeping it in mind, the price point, the, the introduction wines to people coming in, and the name itself can transcend to multiple generations currently yeah it's really exciting i'm curious uh carl what made you want to start end of the day and then again as we were off the air you kind of said you really don't consider it a quote-unquote second label how come yeah we wanted to keep uh the the well first of all the reason that i wanted to start this line of wine of sort of the way i look at it under the kaliza label is i really you know, time and time again, I, I kept hearing from uh, f- from consumers that price point was an issue. Um, they want to enjoy wine, but they can't afford a $75 bottle of wine on a regular basis. So that resonated. And then I started hearing from a lot of our um, uh, wholesale customers, restaurants and the like, that they really love their wines, but they and they wanted to pour them by the glass, but they really couldn't couldn't get at that with the, at the Caliza, you know, with our state fruit and our state wines. Um, so I started thinking a little bit more about it, and I wanted to keep it under the Kaliza banner. I wanted I wanted the name recognition. I mean, Kaliza is still not a huge name in the marketplace, but, but it's a respected but one. We have a respected name. We've been making you know super good quality wines, great scores. I don't even really care that much about the scores, but it is a nice way to to measure that you're you're in the right direction. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe we can make a line of wine under the Kaliza banner. Uh, we could work on on price point and finding ways that we could keep it a bit lower. As you as you might notice, at the end of the day, wines they're all in screw cap, which is a less costly closure. I wanted to make wines that were approachable. That when we released them, they, these aren't these aren't meant for babying. These aren't meant for aging. We work on them in the cellar so that you enjoy them when you get them. Um, and and the, you know the philosophy has always been from day one. And part part of the reason we named it the way we did end of the day was who doesn't want a great bottle or a great glass or two of wine at the end of every day yeah. people that love wine they want to enjoy wine and and wine wine is a part of you know culture wine is a part of relationships we have with one another um and if you're alone just sitting on the patio i mean you want to have a good, good bottle of wine you don't want to you don't want to uh, stress over it i mean we make and you're not always wanting to open up like the 
nice, nice bottles. Like if you're going to go, I mean, I want thing, you to open a Cleveland bottle every night. <laughs> sure, but uh, but but let's. But not, I work but, in radio. Let's but, be real. Let's I be real. <laughs> yeah. And then on top of that, we, um, my wife Pam and I, um, were you know the founders of the winery. We've 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 always felt very strongly about this community that let us be here, make wine, be you know grow grapes and and be a part of it. So we were looking for an avenue for for giving back to the community, and um, we thought with the end of the day series. We would use that as a vehicle for giving back to, to the community. We started, uh, and we still to this day do, uh, we really respect the farm workers that help us do what we do. We couldn't do it without the, f- the guys that work in the, f- men and women that work in the field, uh, hours on end in, in, you know, crazy conditions. Um, so we were looking for charitable organizations that were helping uh, the farm workers' families, and, and there are many of them. We latched on to Must Charities and others, but Must Charities, you know, really reached across a broad spectrum for the boys. Boys and Girls Club, a place where, um, you know, mom and dad could, the kids could go after school when mom and dad are still working, the food bank, etc. And I mean, that thing is blown up. I'm really proud to have been early adopters and early contributors to Must Charity, but many, many others. And now it's all about, the, it's that and how can we just make the community we live in better, just slow county in general. And so we look for ways we can help out. And that's Part of what we do with the end of the day, the end of the day wines, is really um, look to help out the community. And then, furthermore, the end of the day wines are all about uh, they're made with fruit that we purchase. So all the estate fruit we grow at Caliza goes into the estate wines, the Caliza series of wines. And so we were looking for fruit, and we really wanted to work with people we like. We wanted to work with, uh, generally speaking, we wanted to work with relatively small farmers. And what we found, we, there's there's a lot of people that have come to Paso over the years, maybe don't have a background in like I did in horticulture or farming at all, and said, oh, piece of cake, I'm going to grow a, a five <laughs> or ten acre vineyard, and, and had no clue that the rest of their life is going to be tied to that piece of property and trying to make something of that. And many people have struggled with it. And so, you know, now it's been 17 years since I've been growing grapes. So I like coming alongside farmers, guys that have moved Oh my gosh, here I'm sure they like and, it. Um, and sharing what I know. Oh, they yeah. love, they, uh, Generally speaking, they, they, they love it. They love the advice. They love some help. Um, I've worked with a lot of great, great farmers. And then you kind of have a hand in how that's great. And then, you know, the, the ultimate deal is we're going to help you grow better fruit. We're going to give you some suggestions. We're not going to do it for you, but we're going to help you along. And then in turn, we want to be able to buy back some of that fruit that we, yeah. that we help. And in turn, grow. I want to pick my rose. <laughs> well, often Oftentimes we, buy, oftentimes we buy entire blocks or the entire vineyard. Really? Okay, uh, sure, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, th- you know, that's that's a, par- a part of it. But um, I wanted to be associated with Kaliza. I want end of the day wants to be associated with Kaliza. They are different than the estate series. Um, but but th- it's all under the same umbrella. We make them here in the same cellar. We make them with the same wine team. Uh, we know how to make exceptional wines. Uh, for Kaliza, we've been doing it since 2006. Uh, why not do it with this line of wine that people can enjoy every day of the week, that restaurants can love um, and, and, and pour by the glass or pour by the bottle? That's the thing is you can't go to good BTG when, you know, you, the wine is, you know, 50, 60 bucks. You're talking about a $17 glass of wine yeah. for them at times. Yeah. And that's just tough. But if you can have the maker come with this other, you know, with this brand end of the day and be like, wow, you're getting a, you know, a glass of Carl Bowker's team's wine for, you know, 12, 13 bucks a glass, it, right. it ends up being a little bit more dialed in. That's pretty, and you're getting a premium so that's, class. So that's, all, again, part of the connecting with the community like and that. helping things out, helping the restaurateurs, yeah. and our, many of which are our friends, um, and uh, and, sh- and sharing a little bit of the wines we make. Does it put a, there's a little less pressure on pricing, and I'll ask both of you guys this, but Carl, is there less pressure on how we're going to price? 
embrace the Kaliza wines, knowing we have this other avenue where we can say, like, hey, we can, you know, if we want to ramp up production three times in a year, we can. We, you know, but with Kaliza, obviously, we're not doing that. We can't do that. We don't want to do that. Well, listen, I mean, with Kaliza wines, every year we make more and more of it, but every year we sell out. There, there's a huge demand for it. So it's nice to have this other vehicle that we, we can get into to restaurants like that. I don't know that there's a correlation between how we price the Kaliza wines. I still, under the Kaliza label, think we're fairly priced for the quality that we're delivering. Oh, yeah. Um, and I, and I want to always be that way. Um, it, you know, it's not about it's not about gobs of money for me. It's about it's about lifestyle. It's about making a product that we're proud of. It's about being able to share it with people. And if it's ridiculously priced, um, nobody's going to be able to enjoy it. Um, so th- that's the way I look at the pricing of the Kaliza wines. I mean, they're not inexpensive. I don't I don't, I don't drink. What seven. is the what does the azimuth go for these days? Uh, Seventy five dollars. Yeah. And so, so you're also sur- how much of this does this play a role? You're surrounded by a lot of folks who are increasingly demanding and earning a lot of money per bottle of wine. Yeah, for sure. And um and, and I and I respect that. I mean, you know, one of our one of our neighbors raised their prices recently and uh you know there was a bunch of chatter in the neighborhood. Yeah. I think they did the right thing. I think it's deserving. I think they probably should have raised it a tad bit more. Really? Um but uh um what did they go to? Who are we talking about? Should we say what we're talking about? <laughs> Can we? We're, let's, we don't have to. Yeah, we don't know. Okay, but, but, but what, what did they go to? But, they but, cross but, the 100 but, mark or something? Yeah, they crossed the 100 mark. Got it. Okay. Um, uh, and again... You're well, seeing that all. I mean, that's not even an uncommon completely thing right now. Completely deserving. Sure. Um, no, totally. But, uh, but I respect our customers. I respect our club members who've been with us a long time. You, you know, Edgar will tell you this. We live on the club members. They, yeah, are, they yes. are our bread and butter. Yeah. And I respect, uh, you know, that they all can't do this, but they've been there supporting us for years, uh, years and years. Um, we, we are, uh, at Kaliza, it's amazing. We have very little attrition. We we just keep growing the club because that's they so cool. stay with us. They can't, they can't get enough Kaliza wine, so... Well, That's um, got to feel so I mean, so Edgar great. keeps telling me I should raise my prices. But. Well, uh, I'm, I'm going to have to say something different uh, now because um, life's changed drastically for us in the last two years. Um, I couldn't imagine being here. If you told me in 2015 when I went off on my own to do my own thing that seven years later I would have two facilities and I would be having three brands on the table – Bodega is the Spanish project. It's the little lane that I carve myself in the community to just focus on that. So I will take that path and run with it as hard as I can. Straight out of Paso, I think it's something to pay my respect to the first wines that I drank as a kid when I was 20, 21 years old, you know, supervising a restaurant over in San Simeon. And I fell in love with Hilltop. Sure, yeah. It's a really kick-button I can say kick ass, right? Yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I can say I, I, I can say that those cabernets at that price point take me back to those moments of my youth and then coming in, I remember, you know, working at Villa Creek and seeing all these guys all enthusiastic about their wines, their love and their passion and everything. Of course a lot of these guys got scores and got demand and everything so they can drive the the price point where they want to be and it's been great to see everybody grow but 
from the humbled approach that I come into the table with this, straight out of Paso is definitely kind of grounded me a little bit because we did launch something that we're starting to release and it's called Songs and that is kissing the $100 bottle price point. It is more of the French approach of a site-specific, bridal-driven and it's kind of encompassing the realms and the Bordeaux together but uniquely to themselves and we're... Ex- we're pushing so much effort and energy and capital into producing these wines to be competitive to any $100 bottle of wine. Even though a lot of them are 85 we do have a Napa cab on the table for 100 It's interesting when you start to see, you know, because sometimes that second label will be something that's maybe meant a little bit more for the distribution channels, something like we said, to get a little bit more BTG love um, by the glass, or just to get into some hands that, you know, almost like My Favorite Neighbor and things like that. We've, we've seen this many, many times. But it's interesting to hear maybe of a an auxiliary label, another label that's almost meant to reach a, an upper echelon, a different drinking level, but a, a you know, more expensive one. Well, it is expensive, but really when I'm looking at my private collection that I have, and I you live a problem. It, I have a problem. I have a buying problem. My mom thought I had a drinking <laughs> problem, and I told her, no, I just have a buying problem. I don't yeah. drink it. I just buy it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I mean, like, you know, I don't go to Napa anymore. I don't really even go to Sonoma anymore because those price points just jump so high. And for me, the whole thing is that, like this community was Im- grown so drastically for quality and price point balance. You know, I know that they're starting to be $100 and plus out there and everything. And, you know, much power to those guys that can get it. And I would cheer them on. I actually buy some of their wines. But the whole idea for me is that, like, I want to stay relatable relatable to everybody and every price point. And even this past weekend for the 4th of July, I had a little, like, high school reunion with my boys. And normally we're pounding beers and taking shots and smoking some stuff. and, And we don't really have a conversation. But this weekend, I took some of the bodega wines, and we popped them open, and we started, you know, actually smelling it, tasting it. And then I hijacked the speaker and put on my tunes. And then, you know, I'm a Mexican, but I don't just fall into the Mexican music or the hip-hop music. I go all over the board. So I took over the speaker, and I took over the, the table with the wines. And then I saw the guys being engaged, having more of an intellectual conversation. And I'm like... I'll be right back. I went to the car and grabbed those $100 bottles of wine. We popped them open, and they're like, their eyes lit up, and their experience just became better. Your boys are all grown up. Yeah, and that's <laughs> the fun thing is that there is a, a wine for a time and a place, and that's kind of my whole idea. I want to be part of the table however I can. If it's a barbecue wine, I got you. If it's a good weekend wine, I got you. And if it's like a special occasion, I will have you too. What are some things, Carl, when you're trying to keep in mind, okay, we're riding these two like parallel highways, our end of the day highway, our uh, Kaliza highway, things we, we like to do in, as far as cross-promoting? I mean, obviously, we got like the Kaliza you know, name on the back of the bottles. And then what are some things that we don't want to do? Things that uh, we don't, you know, obviously, the Kaliza price point is something to kind of hold dear and to kind of preserve. So what are some kind of things that do you, do you think about some of these things? 
things are when we've got these two parallel highways. Yeah, we really uh, we think about this a lot, Adam, and um, this is the reason why we have two separate tasting rooms. Uh, we don't we don't cross pour wines. So you can't come to you could come to the Kaliza tasting room and you might be lucky to buy a bottle of end of the day wine because we might have it there for some reason. But we really we never pour it there, and so we we have a separate tasting room uh, here in Tin City, uh, strictly for the end of the day wines. It's important for us to keep them separate. Uh, the last thing I want is some of our, you know, longtime consumers of Kaliza wines and that really love our premium wines, our, you know, our state Syrah, that Asmus blend, that reserve Syrah right there. And then to taste the, the end of the day wines and go, oh, that's that, that's nothing like, you know, what, what I expect from Kaliza. They're amazing wines, those end of the day wines. Uh, you know, they're very enjoyable all the time, but it's really important to keep uh, some separation. They are a part of the same program, but, you know, as I said earlier, I like to call them two different lines of wines, and two, they stay in their own separate lane. We don't market, we have separate mailing lists. We don't cross market uh, mailing lists. Too, but come too. on, let's say you got 9,000 emails on the Kaliza side over the last, you know, many, many years. They got to know about end of the day wines. Yeah, what are, yeah, you know, yeah, got to do that a little bit, and right? We, and we very carefully do that, and we do. I mean, for instance, these two end of the day wines I have on the table right here, the Albarino, the mm. twenty twenty one Albarino, um, just got a gold medal at the Central Coast Wine Competition, nice. gold medal at the Sunset Wine Competition, the ZM Cuvée, which is a Zinfandel Morvedre Cuvée, uh, double gold at the Central Coast Wine Competition, uh, best in class, the best Zinfandel blend in the entire competition. You're not kidding. If we're not going to share that with the club members for sure um but in a subtle way um because Kaliza wines come first to the Kaliza list yeah um but but yeah we're gonna we're gonna promote it and we're gonna cross sure. it in some way so it's a fine line that we have to be really careful about who knows we might trip and go too far over one of the line at some point in time but we really try to keep them in their own lanes you know we we make the wine in the cellar but you know there's there's the, the Kaliza wines get a whole whole lot more new French oak barrels. Right, and right. They get a yeah. whole lot more aging. I think, oh, those um, are some new barrels right behind you, huh? Yeah, there's there's a combination of, of uh, the Beautiful. 2022 barrels are already showing up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the checks are being written. Right, right. <laughs> if I were to put all, if wood. I were to blind your wines, songs straight out of Paso and Bodega, could you blind them and pick what brand was which? I think I can. What do you think, Carl? Uh, the, the two wines, I definitely could, yeah. Definitely could. Mm-hmm. Could you tell me every, like if I blinded you on your Kaliza, you tell me which one's which? Probably, for the most part, because they're uniquely different. You yeah. Know? I mean, we do the Azimuth, the GSM blend. We do the 100% Syrah. I could definitely pick that out. Yeah. Or, um, you know, our Cab Syrah blend, it's going to have Cabernet in it. And our or some Patico blend with Tempranillo and Granacha. But, you know, every given day, your palate's different. But mm-hmm. uh, I think I could, I definitely could pick them out. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the wines that we're drinking. We started with this Albarino, right? Yeah. Yeah. So 2021 uh, Albarino. Again, uh, fruit we, we buy from a couple different um, Paso vineyards. We uh, we don't distinguish east or west. We just go with where, where we can get good good fruit at a really great price and uh, therefore transfer that, that price, you know, to, to the consumer. The idea here is uh, Albarino. I mean, I know Edgar makes Albarino too. On any given year, it's going to be a little bit different, but we're, we're trying to capture the, the fruit flavors, but really keep it really fresh and bright and keep let the acidity shine through. Are people th- wrapping their heads around Albarino? I mean, I think we grow more of it on the Central Coast than I, anywhere in the state. I, I think, think uh, you know, Edgar uh, leading the way and, and a few others really, Albarino's really caught on. It's really trendy. Neutral and, or stainless? Uh, it's mostly in stainless. It's stainless for us. Yeah. Uh, we, use, we mostly use stainless barrels. Um, that 
but we we might use a, a few uh, neutral oak barrels, but we really want to keep that brightness and the freshness and the and the, the approachability, making it a food wine for sure. Yeah, is it fun to taste someone else's Albarino? It is. It's it got to be cool, huh? I mean, the fun thing for me, this is stylistically similar to something that we were producing off of Crescent Road, and people were like, Crescent Road? Isn't that hot? I'm like, not really. Not the way the fog comes in and kind of hovers over there on that side of town a little bit longer than the rest of the town. You know, I've been scaling back on harvesting my stuff around like 20 to 21 bricks just to get that natural acidity behind it. I love my Albarino that we just produced for 2021. Um, 100% stainless steel uh, from Lago Vineyard owned by the Ducey family. We had the opportunity to take over a raw block that... You know, it was performing for them, but they couldn't really find a home for it. And then Matt, Ducey, and I sit down, and I'm like, hey, craft it over. So that, we're super excited about that. We play with what we call La Huera. La Huera is uh, Albarino with a little bit of Torontes blended into it. That one, we kind of age it in three different things, stainless steel, oak, and um, terracotta. So Albarino, for me, it is unique. It's beautiful. I mean, this is delicious uh reminds me of a couple of ours that we have done along the way um but it is a varietal that can do well here in the central coast i know a lot of people it really does in the valley yeah in the valley i think it's probably got the biggest planting anywhere at paragon but uh it does do so beautifully here and when someone is talking about like textbook 101 someone listening maybe hasn't had a whole lot of albarino what do you tell them textbook some of the things that it offers carl well i just think it you know it has a it kind of bridges the beautiful fruit flavors the juicy fruit flavors uh with that you know acidic uh, minerality we get in the past so this fruit came out of the el pomar district uh, so it's still very similar to where we are here it still gets a lot of that cooling aspect it still has that shale calcareous limestone soil bit of it so you get that minerally piece um, this particular vintage i think is a little bit um, more bright than oftentimes we we produce it um, but you know that's what we got that year yeah and, and we 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 embrace it and we we run with it and i it's uh, literally we we were down to a few cases and we're sold out already of the 2021 vintage is that right yeah I and mean, we're not even going to make it through the end of summer so that's it awesome. is what it is this um, 2019 from Bodega de Edgar, uh, the Tarragona, right? Yeah. Uh, Garnacha, Tempranillo, Carignan, a whole different kind of cool blend with this one. In 2019, that was a year that you guys really, really liked, huh? Yeah. 2019, I think. Everyone seems to love 2019. It, I, you know, I thought 18 was awesome, um, but I was being biased because I did the whole production by myself. Um, it was a really solid year, no doubt about it, but 2019 just came out to be a little more balanced. Um, we had a pretty good growing season. Yeah. Right? We only have a lot of struggles. We actually called the shots in 2019, like when to harvest. Like, that would be ideal for the winemaker to be out there. Mother Nature is just cruising along, and we call the shots. 2019 was that year. This is 100% Paper Street Vineyard, and we do a lot of whole cluster on this. We age uh, the majority of it in the Hungarian barrels as well. So that's just kind of an approach of that one is trying to yeah. put something fun, spicy, mineral-y, and lots of red fruits, of course. Yeah. The next wine we had was this uh, the end of day. It was a red wine, and this was a, a Zinmaved blend? Yeah, Zin, uh, we call it ZM Cuvée. We do a lot of cuvées under the, well, a few cuvées under the end of the day series. And uh, yeah, the other thing I would say to you about end of the day wines, for the most part, we're trying to make wines of varieties that we don't make in the Caliza. I'm not saying there's not crossover because we definitely use Grenache on both sides um, and more Vet on both sides. Um, 
Um, you know, we, we went out and bought in, uh, this is the two, 2020, but uh, in 2018, we went out and bought some Zinfandel from uh, a really well-respected vineyard here. But it was new to us, and it really didn't fit in the Caliza program, so that started the ZM Cuvée under the end of the day line. So now we just try to source uh, great Zinfandel. You know, Zinfandel is a, is a tricky monster from a growing standpoint and yeah. ripening. Um, it's it's got that you know that the, the typical you know jammy fruity up front characteristic. This is a Zinfandel that um, we didn't allow to get quite as ripe, but then we add in the Moved piece, which gives it that earthy textural mid palate thing. And um, be quite honest, there's a little bit of Syrah in this wine too. Um, uh, Syrah makes everything better. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> but, but, the, but the focus of the ZM Cuvée is the Zinfandel. It's it predominantly Zinfandel. Uh, um, and uh, really kind of a fun wine. And, uh, and again, a nice blend. Edgar said it earlier, giving a little bit of you know tribute to the, the, the heritage variety of Paso Robles Zinfandel. Morved, not too far behind, uh, having been planted here a long, long time ago. Maybe under a different name, Mataro and other things. But uh, that's the play here. Love doing the cuvées. Love making the blends and uh, and having fun with them. We do single varietal wines under under the end of the day series as well. I don't. I'd love to build port for you. We do a Cabernet Sauvignon, which uh, cool. Not, knock your socks off. But we sell a lot of it. So right. We're, I was telling you off air. I mean, we we have to triple the production of that. That's, well, now, that's how, do you ever uh, think of doing a third label? <laughs> <laughs> You well, have, Carl. I'm going to stay in my lanes. But you have thought about it. <laughs> we actually have a true second label. We make a few hundred cases of it and enjoy it and share it with friends and uh, cool. and, and people. But uh, actually, we do also sell it out of the Tin City Tasting Room, too. Oh, nice. But, the, you know... I gotta stay. Slow fo- down, Adam. I yeah. gotta stay focused. Um, just you know, just like Hager said. Slow I mean, down. I gotta. Yeah. M- I know. I probably put in twelve, fourteen hour days anyway. No, I, sure. How much more can I put on my plate? And I'm I'm not a kid anymore, so uh, I gotta I gotta keep in this lane. These things are blowing up for us. Both the Caliza State stuff. After finally, after all these years, and the end of the day, the the distributors and the wholesalers in the marketplace. It's you know we have it. Uh, we have it spread across the country now, and uh, wow. we just have to make more and more of it. To, yeah, I can't wait to. Talk about the that. Syrah in a second. Uh, before we get to that, the straight out of Paso uh, Cabernet Sauvignon 2020. Uh, what a weird year. Can't wait to hear what you think of this one. Before we get into this one, Edgar, I was, um, I'm going to say a sentence that a lot of people don't say. I spent three days in New Cuyama on purpose. Yeah, yeah we, I wasn't broke down or anything. I actually went there to stay there <laughs> for three days. The area is really like coming up and they're doing a lot with the area. Now we stayed at the Buckhorn, yeah. which was super cool. One of the things that I loved about New Cuyama, uh, it's kind of, it's all surrounds the, the Buckhorn, which is yeah. this old 1950s mid-century hotel, and they've really kind of like it's like that whole taking those old motor lodges and making them sexy, chic. There was just a really cool scene there, and in the uh, restaurant, I was talking to the dude who making great cocktails, and their wine list was pretty good. And I was like, God, I would, be, I would love to see some more Paso wines on this list, but one of them was the Bodegas de Edgar Tempranillo, which I thought was super cool. That was, I mean, he told me that uh, via text, and um, for me, that little corner is super cool because Altamesa Vineyard is back there, which used to be owned by Leticia Vineyard, and I used to make wine from there early on. Oh, wow. Uh, as I bounced around, you know, working my way into this industry that is so capital intensive that site was beautiful unique it's set so high up and you know it looks like the desert and like the moon almost at times but um i used to drive by there a lot so to see that kind of becomes a destination is super cool Mm -hmm. and i just can't say thank you enough to everybody in the central coast for carrying the wines and seeing them in different cool little spots locations like that i mean 
you know, that and you sparked up something. I got to go out there for the weekend. You got to go check it out. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool. It's a really cool spot. This wine you're pouring right now, the the, the Kaliza Reserve Syrah from 2019. I mean, it's a monster. Um, but, uh, heavy bottle alert! This, heavy this, bottle alert! Heavier the bottle, heavier the score. This is a big <laughs> bottle. It's a big. It's a little bit bigger bottle. A little bit. It's a beautiful, beefy a, bottle. This is a bottle to be proud of. My you're man. a strong guy. That's true. <laughs> That's true. And I, I had an arm day yesterday, um, so I'm good. But this is a beautiful label. This is a. This is a legacy piece, is it not? This is a yeah. So that's just uh, the, the the label is just to represent the limestone. Uh, if you did a you know do a, do a cutout through the soil, if you excavated a little bit, you'd see those layers of, of limestone that we're trying to mimic there on the label. Sort of low key the Kaliza name, mixed it into the you know in a lot of the limestone and the shale that's in our vineyard, you get a lot of iron. So we put the gold, the the the, the reddish gold uh, piece that comes uh, that you would see in the in the vineyard. But this is really just the, this pairs with, you know, some pretty bold foods. Um, you can make a meal out of this wine oh, all yeah. by itself. Oh, for sure. But, uh, but, 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 you know, but the idea here is that this captures the best of the best of our estate. This, we don't make this as reserve straw every single year. This we is a 98-point wine. It is. And, uh, and our reserve straws have, have, have scored well. And, yeah. again, like I said earlier, scores is a good thing. A good score is a good thing. But it's really just a barometer as to how we're doing. I don't, I don't know that scores necessarily sell wine anymore, but uh, but it's not a bad thing to, have, hurt, to, right? have, hey, a, to have a good number <laughs> behind it. But it's really all about. I mean, this is we, we you know we we cherry pick the best barrels of Syrah every uh, the years that we make. If it's a good vintage, this 2019. You're saying the stellar year. Great I thought year. 2018 was fantastic too, but 20, 2019 maybe more a little more balanced. Um, uh, just a you know, real special. This is wine we haven't even released yet. We poured it at our our club, uh, our winemaker dinner in February. Sort of a little teaser, but this this is a wine that we'll be releasing in the next few weeks. Um, Oh, this is pre. This is pregame. We haven't even released this, this yet. Is a pregame. Yeah, nice. This is, uh, this is a wine that we, um, you know, we start by releasing it again to talking about club members and how important they are. We they always get first first crack. We have a couple tiers in our wine club. The top tier gets uh, first crack, and sometimes they buy most of it. Yeah. But then we'll, we'll work through the tiers and make sure all the wine club members get it before it, before it ever gets released. It's not a wine we often pour in the tasting room either. It's it's that special. It's yeah, no a, doubt. A couple hundred case production. How much? are we uh, getting for this one well i mean it's uh it's it, the, the goal is that it'll be a sub hundred it's a 95 dollar wine at least mm. that's the way we're thinking about it right now is it weird to, to like broach that 100 hundred dollar mark does it feel like here we go can't turn back now or is it almost like i mean shoot i'll go 99.99 i just don't want to go what are those thoughts about reaching the 100 hundred dollar mark but with a wine like this i mean like no doubt this is over delivering right now I mean, you know I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm 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 very cautious about pricing wine. I'm really con- considerate about people and our club members and the people who buy it. And I'm always probably I shouldn't be this way, but because I've been successful, but I'm always concerned about. I'm, are we going to really sell it? Is it? There's nothing worse than releasing something and not being able to sell it. We've always been able to do that. Our first reserves were I was 2012, and I remember with lots of my friends who had to talk me into pushing the price up where it belonged. Because I was just concerned that we wouldn't sell it, and uh, we we, we and it blew out the door. Um, at you know, I forget what the price was then. 
But uh, yeah, I I, I want to over deliver with our with our wines, both both Kaliza wines and end of the day wines. Well, it's yeah. funny, like years ago we were having this conversation over the fifty dollar mark, probably. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I would have I personally have no problem with this going over a hundred dollar mark. I think it's worth it. I think this Absolutely. is well well, well worth more, more 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 than that. And, and we haven't released it, so I can't promise can't tell you where it's going to end mm-hmm. up. But that's that's the that's what the twenty eighteen was was ninety five dollars. We might stay in that price point, but. Heck, I mean, the cost of doing business has gone up exponentially. Edgar, what do you price this wine? If you're giving Carl best advice, where do you tell him that he should price this? So, I mean, I struggle with it, um, pricing things. For me, I always look at the matrix of the cost into it, the return behind it. And then I always blind taste it. A lot of the new wines, I always blind taste them in brown bags against other wines around that price point or that demographic of what they're supposed to be. I struggled pushing the $100 point on our 2017 Grand Reserva Tempranillo, but it's the cost. You know, it's 100% brand new oak, the best of the best Tempranillo in the house, barrel age for three years in the barrel, bottle it, hold on to it for a year before I release it to the consumer. So that's an investment of four years before I start seeing any returns. And just looking at the price points, there is a difference maker there, you know, like it really, we're down to four cases of that. Nice. And it's hard for me at first to kind of let go of it that way. But I always look at myself as the consumer that I am, that it has a wine collection that I spend money here and up in Napa and around the world. And at the end of the day, you know, we're surrounded by great, successful people that are making really good wines. But we're not behind them that far qualitatively it's taken me a long time to embrace the quality of wines that we produce i mean you shocked me the other night at bloom like i know your wines have been good but the stuff that you shared the other night wow i went back home the next morning i looked at my wine making team i'm like we need to go to kalisa we need to taste their wines their wines are on point tell me and what did he share with you what went down? It was like three different bottles. What, what you, you guys have? saw each other in Bloom? I didn't know about this. What happened? <laughs> we just ended up at the table next to each other. Okay. And, and you know, in Bloom is an awesome place, and it's a, it's a, it's a great, great place for sharing. I, it's I, the new I, hot I, place. I, it's I the love, new hot issue. I love Chris. I love uh, Vanessa. I love the place in general. Um, and it's fun to be able to share wines. I, I think we had the 20, 2019 Azimuth, which is mm-hmm. a rock star uh, GSM blend, in my opinion. Uh, we were pouring the 2019 Moved, which um, again we don't make 100% Moved every year, but that but that was it. Yeah. And I I think we were pouring the Cab Sirapol in that yep. night too. Uh, so we're uh, doing a special thing, or were you just out to dinner? We were just out to dinner. Just look at you. Yeah. <laughs> we're just out to dinner. I love this. Those weren't even the wines we ordered for dinner. Those were just the wines we <laughs> we, brought. we brought to share with every, Chris and Vanessa and the whole team. There. I love it. Yeah, that's the special bottle of Syrah. It's worth it. Thanks. It's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. It's beautiful. I, I'm, I'm really proud of it. I'm, I'm really proud of what you know what the team and I have, have done with that wine and where we go with it. And you know, I mean, I'm a humble guy. You, you know, I'm pretty. It's just who I am. Um, but I would have no problem setting that side by side with the best of Hell the best no. in yes in California for sure. Easy. 
Yeah, I have no problem with that. Yeah, you know, I, I think of some of these um, of my favorite Syrahs, and I think of wines like this. I think of wines like the Block B, you know, from Epic, and some of these just like 100% Syrahs that just knock it out of the park. Of yeah. the Kaliza fruit, are there still some lucky folks that, that get Kaliza grapes here and there? There's a couple. Yeah, yeah there's a couple. <laughs> yeah. But less and less every year, but, you know, there's friends that uh, we uh, talked about Jacob Toft. I mean, he, he gets a ton and a half, two tons of fruit from us every year. He's been buying fruit since the very beginning. He's supported me when I needed oh, to sell yeah, fruit. Right. Um, there's no, there's no, uh, there's currently no telling him no. You can't get that fruit. Um, we could, uh, we, if we had a, you know, a triple the size vineyard, um, we could sell all the fruit we we could possibly, oh, easy. we could possibly grow. That's how much demand there is every year. I would love to sell to people, other people, Edgar, and, and other people who, who c- I have people as far as Napa saying, I want to do a vineyard designated wine from you. And I'm Shut like, up. If I could, I want to do this for yeah. you, uh, for me and for you. Um, you have an extra half ton of Roussan? Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. I could probably work you in the deal. Half ton? That'd be fun. I, I've always wanted to do a Roussan, um, and I love your Roussan. We're going to end, actually, with it today, yeah. which I'm excited so, about. Uh, I just love Roussan. I'm, 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 I'm hoping that the new five five acres will, will produce by next year, and we'll, we'll cool. be able to bring... I mean, Five acres we, of Roussan? Uh, no, five acres is raw. Okay. Five acres. I was going to say, say five acres Roussan? Roussan? <laughs> uh, five, the new five acres. Yeah. Um, we just planted more Syrah because it just so well on our site. And, um, it goes I'm, with all the programs. We've, listen, we planted more acreage because we need more fruit for ourselves. And it's hard to, to walk away from the fruit we're selling to, to other friends in, in the neighborhood throughout Paso. And, and I'd love to be able to take up some of these other opportunities. But I've got to make more wine for Caliza every single year because we sell out every single year. Just this week, I had somebody say, hey, let's do a program. I'll blow out you know, 100 cases of your wine, but he wanted it at a really good price. I'm like, dude, I'm going to sell it anyway yeah you know, I know. Um, but uh yeah i still i still have to be really cautious God, people gotta wonder like when am i gonna get the cut when am i you know or i made the cut this year carl and i are cool like you get a lot of good it's christmas coming. cards like you get a lot of good <laughs> you know that i mean there's there's a huge advantage of, of owning your own property and, and owning your own vineyard and and i've definitely been toiling at it for a long time uh, i love the vineyard i love that's where i'd rather be i tend to be looking at uh you know, balance sheets and other things more than I should be. But uh, Pam and I own an, another 50-acre property uh, on Peachy Canyon yeah. Road, and uh, we're on the on the path to plant it this year. It looks like maybe next year we'll wow. plant another 20, 25 acres there. Dang. Um, did, that, that's just the path we're, we're down, and that's, to, that's, to, that's not to just... To sell or uh, to um, put yeah, in the Kaliza? Uh, sign me up. A little bit of both. <laughs> yeah, A little okay. bit of both. Um, but, you know, this is the path that Kaliza's, Kaliza's on, and this is the path Paso's on. Yep. This place is, um, you know, granting some amazing attention because of the wines on this table, because exactly. of the wines our, f- our other friends in the wine business are making. It's an incredibly exciting time, and I'm 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 thrilled to be a part of it, and uh, and still being able to hang in there. Okay, yeah. so Edgar just he just expressed a desire for some of this new fruit. Will you save a little bit for him? Yeah, for sure. Or a little bit. I appreciate it. Sure. I mean, we almost became neighbors one time. Uh oh, really? We, we almost bought off the same driveway, and oh, we walked shoot. it. Yeah. But we saw the complications behind it. My whole idea was to... Well, you ended up in a better place, quite honestly. Well, I mean, it it was kind of like a turnkey scenario. Like, we can start performing tomorrow instead of going through the hurdles that we have to go through. Um, But the whole idea was... I've had this sense of urgency because I've never had the money behind it. So I've been just reinvesting it back into it every single year. And Carl's right. It's like there's a beautiful thing with Paso. 
the attraction that we're creating i mean we're in colorado we're you know up and down the state uh we're in puerto rico now we're in mexico we're like you know on the east coast too as well so we're trying to push the paso name out there that's why straight out of paso kind of became that brand as well that i want to grow it as well but there's a sense of urgency of owning land i mean you know there's there's a, a lot, lot of folks of, can't do it. One, they can't do it. There's two people coming in with bigger bags than we all could ever have, and they're starting to pick up stuff. And so that's kind of my whole thing is that I've been blessed to work with the Ducey family and grow with them, and I want to continue to do that. But ultimately, there's also another sense of achievement with the land that is yours, that you're nurturing, that you're seeing it on a daily basis. And so we have a small parcel to work with. But that's the next thing for me is to grab, you know, a little more acreage to be able to produce my own fruit moving forward because nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. Right. And that's kind of the, the thing is that, you know, as Carl says, it's at the end of the day, sometimes it's going to be a business decision. It's not going to be a personal decision. And it's like, you know, what what what's going to take care of us and benefit us the most? And you know, sometimes it's not called wine friends. It's called the wine business. It is. <laughs> it is. Yeah. yeah. So. Hey, um, uh, what did you think of his songs, wine? I love it. It's it's rich. It's uh, it's dense. It's complex. Carignan's fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a hundred percent Carignan from Paper Street Vineyard. It's a special wine. It's got great balance. It's got you know red fruits, blue fruits, black fruits all together. It's got good tannin. It's got good length. Um, yeah, it's just a, a special wine. It, it really showcases the chalkiness on the west side. I mean, how do people taste songs? Songs is something that is a little exclusive. Brandon and I are kind of working together on kind of making it become its own thing. And, you know, we're going to be sharing that a lot with some great people around Still the community. Still secret, apparently. And then, yeah, I mean, you're going to share with me, damn it. We're yeah, going to share yeah, with. You're yeah. going to tell me all about it right you, now. You just got to call us direct. Okay, so so call up Bodegas Edgar. Yeah. And then say, I want to taste on some songs. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Say we're heard on the Worldwide and the, podcast. The, 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 whole, the whole thing that I've been doing the last year is like traveling around doing dinners and bringing a music act with it too as well. Cool. And it's like bringing it all together. Like, you know, having somebody that can play some of the music around it and some great chefs and that's the whole idea is that like when you go home and you're hosting something you got to think about what you're cooking what you're drinking and you have that motivational sound in the background so that's kind of where for me with jacob toff the first harvest i went all over the board i went from like you know the mexican banda and and the freaking hip-hop scenario to like mason jennings and of course i knew jack johnson by then but like he took me to a whole different like genre of music that just you For know. someone listening, Edgar, who's going to visit Paso and wants good Mexican food, what are some of your top Mexican places? My dad's house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I have my favorites. I love Los Robles for their Opa Sort Oh, my God. Mom tacos. La Reina, great burritos, great tortas. Um, Papi's tortas, the spicy rub is delicious. Uh, Cuatro Hermanos, their tacos de lengua. Oh, my dad liked the tacos de lengua like the first like two months every Friday, and I was like, I'm done. I hate this. <laughs> mm-hmm. This is disgusting. Let's make this a special occasion. Exactly. <laughs> and I forever walked away from it, but then one of my boys took me to Cuatro Hermanos here yeah. in Paso on 4th Street, and I liked their micheladas. Uh, oh, yeah. It's the best michelada ever. Um, but he's like, dude, you got to get the, the lengua tacos. I'm like, oh. I'm like, he got one. 
Well, he actually had a few, so I grabbed one, and I'm like, best lengua tacos really? ever. It came off like carnitas. It, it like fell apart. fell apart. It was, yeah, it was delicious. So. My dad would always fill the house with mole. Like, he oh. would smell that for like a day and a half. His mole was good. Let me interrupt you. The yeah. best mole ever was, um, we were living in Cambria. We didn't have much food and much money for our Thanksgiving gathering. And one of the local churches brought a turkey to our door. My mom's looking at this like box of like food that the church donated to us, um, and she had a big old turkey. And she's like, "What am I gonna do with this?" And so my mom looked at us like, "Instead of chicken, it'll be turkey mole." Yeah, <laughs> that was the best mole. <laughs> wow, nice. I love good, good mole. You like Finca? We can inter- interview I like the folks Finca. Finca? Yeah, it's yeah. fun place too. Yeah, I go there for lunch. Good. Yeah, 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 totally. It's a good place. Um, Carl. Um, some of the more fun places you like getting out to. Obviously, in Bloom, a lot of restaurants are hot right now. I mean, the scene is just blowing up. Are there other places you like getting yeah, out I to? Yeah, I, I love Alchemist Garden. I mean, yeah. Bloom is, is great. Alchemist Garden, um, yeah, this month is uh, both Pam's birthday and our anniversary. Oh, so we're going to cool. go to some, some of our favorites like LPC oh, and, uh, yeah. you know, La Cosecha, Il Cortile. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are some. some there's, there's It's great. You great know what I realized, too? We have such a plentiful amount of caterers who do a great job. I had Rachel Ponce. Uh, I one of her dinners she's blown up lately oh my god she's she's blowing up lately (laughs) and it's like now you have a chef where it's like now i can like go to her website i'm gonna see what winery's got you this weekend and i'll go there right so like it just becomes a commodity to like have rachel do and she's like self-taught she's just like so unique and in her own space that is exciting i had her and julian from uh la petite and i uh, lpc in the studio just to have them both next to each other and chatting they were combining and collabing over a dinner that was all about the cuisine of corsica but just so diametrically different in background. I mean, LPC Julian is like he's Super classically trained, trained French chef, yeah. Yeah. and then her self-trained, and they're so different. But our chef game here in Paso is yeah, and I mean, even, you know, even some of the, the the guys that have been around, like you know Jeff Scott. And oh my stuff, gosh, he, he yeah. kills it. His every, catering game every time. Yeah, you're right. He's amazing. He does he does whole big roasts. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, like he'll roast a whole damn pig. We we, we, we got go we got town. a lot of good things going on, and and more and more yeah. people are doing great things. Let's talk about these wines where we find them uh, first uh, Edgar Bodega de Edgar give me the website and then we're tasting where on Peachy Canyon so Bodega de Edgar dot com is our website our new address is 3860 Peachy Canyon Road I'll give a shout out to our neighbor across the way called Law Estates never heard of them never heard of them <laughs> beautiful property yeah uh, awesome yeah, we're right there. The old Nado family uh, property, briefly used by Nino uh, Family Wines. I love his wines too. Yeah, he's doing a Drew's great doing job. A great job. Yeah. Um, so we're there. Straight out of Paso is over on thirty five fifty Combine Street. Both locations are operating. Uh, you know. Thursday through Monday at 10 to 4. And that's um, on the east side of Paso. Correct. Kind of this cool little industrial area. Yeah. A little bit similar to like Tin City, but not quite the, the Tin City vibe. I have, but I have a big parking lot, and I have a big yard to hang out and entertain people. Yeah, so, that's what's cool. I like you that. Know, you know, a lot the, of room. The hard thing right now is... Surviving the COVID pandemic thing, we haven't really got to show that, and so mm-hmm. for me, it's in a way, it's kind of sad that I did so much work there and I never got to share it with anybody besides my customers. But it's cool to see all the people in the community come over and check it out. And like, whoa, we didn't know this was here, and I'm like, yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you know, we have those two there, straight out of Paso Wines, um, SOP Wines is the website for that. 
but yeah, they're in separate locations, straight out of Paso on the east side, um, Bodega on Peach Canyon. Uh, you can call Bodega and request to taste songs now. Nice. So. And ideally, reservations with all our tastings or... I think, you know, we evolved through the pandemic to really be prideful on the presentation and hosting ability by appointment. Uh, I really feel like we can give a better, more intimate showcasing of the wines and interaction with people that we still highly recommend it. If you drive in, we'll do our best to take care of you. But the whole idea is that we want you to go home well-versed behind the wine. Yeah, we, awesome we embrace the, the tasting by appointment. We love that concept. Um, for, for all the reasons you mentioned, um, really it, it allows us to... Um, you know, give uh, special attention to uh, to the guests and make sure we're staffed appropriately. I concur with you. I mean, if somebody rolls up and we have a table, we're going to welcome them in. But pre-planning makes a lot of sense. Now, on the flip side, here in Tin City, at the end of the day, wines, it's a totally different uh, story. There's a lot of wineries here that do tasting by appointment, and, and I respect the, need, the, the the more upper, upper tiered wineries. Um, we welcome the walk-ups because we want to. We want to. Sh- these are these are wines. These are everyday wines for everyday people and we really want to be able to share it. We don't want to make them so exclusive that if you didn't have a tasting appointment, sorry, go away. Come on in. Again, we have to have a table. Um, right. We taste inside and outside here as well. We're sitting in the cellar. We taste in the cellar at the end of the day. So people get the aspect of the harvest. They can smell the fermentations. They can it. see the punch downs going yeah. on. Pump ups, they see all the activity. They hear the music we play during harvest. What do you uh, play during harvest? We could be caught awfully loud. <clears throat> well, you know, my associate winemaker, Andy, he loves this country, so we do a lot of country. <laughs> We do a lot of hip-hop. Yeah. We do a lot of just rotating because everybody has different tastes. And the wines love it all. So we just like to try to play a bunch of different things. Um, so anyway, uh, Kaliza Tasting Room is at uh, 2570 Anderson Road, which is a little short street off of, uh, off of Highway 46. We're at the very end. You got literally dead end into our tasting It's a short room. little cul-de-sac. Yeah. Um, and end up there. Um, come on over there and see us. Uh, KalizaWinery.com. Uh, to make an appointment if you want to come see us or buy some of these wines we've talked about. Uh, end of the day is at 2915 Limestone Way in the cul-de-sac here in Tin City. Uh, neighbors Onyx, Jacob Toff, um, Hubba, sort of down in that little end where it's the cool cool kids are happening down here. Kind of a fun place to be. Tin City's a lot of fun. Well, you it's could just spend, place. I mean, it's funny because you could spend so much time in Tin City, but you literally could spend an afternoon just coming here, Jacob Toff, come on a Friday when, you know, Hubba's doing their live music. Music. I mean, there's so much yeah, going people, on Yeah, people love coming here. They love coming to the end of the day because we have that outside seating and they, they can see all the happenings that's yeah. going on. We've got the umbrella tables. It's a, it's a lot of fun. And the website, it's endofthedaywines.com. If you misspell and forget the S, it'll still get you there, endofthedaywine.com. <laughs> nice. Um, but, uh, and, and it's kalizawines.com? KalizaWinery.com. KalizaWinery.com. Yeah. And Kaliza means? Uh, uh, Spanish for limestone. Mm-hmm. Talking about the, the chalky, calcareous soils that we have in the in the West Paso area. And well, throughout Paso. you got to check out. If you haven't, I mean, I've been a fan of Kaliza for a long time. I've been a fan of you for a long time. I love having you on the air. I love having you, whether it's, you know, Cork Dorks, this or that. Um, we brought the end-of-the-day wines to uh, the Mac and Cheese Fest as we did the Straight Out of Paso, which was super cool. And it's fun to have both of you in here because I've just been... We're really fans of both of not just like your winemaking, but like you as men. You guys are fun to hang out with with great stories. You guys represent Paso so well, and we're just like lucky to have your stories here. So it's it's really cool. So 
kalizawinery.com. Check them out. West side of the 46, up Anderson Road. Pass all those no names like Booker and Full Draw and stuff, and you'll find uh, you'll find Kaliz at the very end there. They save the best for last. And then uh, Edgar, always love your story, man. You and I was always gotten along really well. It's so cool to like see what you've been able to do and like look like um, jump on opportunity and always learn, always digesting and soaking up stuff. But with this like business acumen that I'm not even sure you knew you had in you, that's got to be pretty exciting, it's, dude. Um, you know, I never wrote a business plan. I just put my nose to the ground. I work hard for other people. I saw what their potential. I saw the hustle, yeah. And you know, I called you soon or texted you soon after I got back from Spain. I think you and I need to go there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been going there since 2016 every year except for last year because of the pandemic. But the inspirational wines that got me going in this path here in this community are calling me over there, and I love that over there. I think that. Who you are here for our community has been tremendously growing as well as winemakers grow. We need a a guy shouting out Paso's love and history and everything. And I love what you have done in, in our stories. I mean, you know, we touched it off air a few times of, you know, having a similar story as your dad. And that's the beauty of this country. Yeah. You can build wealth within two decades and you can build a generational wealth within one generation and I've been going at it and I had no idea that I was going to be able to accomplish everything that I got going right now because I'm not stopping and that's kind of the craziest thing is that when I think I get to the point that I need to get to, <laughs> more phone calls come my way and like, yeah, you got to do this. I'm like, oh. I mean, we are a land of opportunity as far as like America. Of course, we just celebrate our Independence Day. Yeah. But um, we are a land of opportunity in Paso. Yes. And it's so cool to see uh, folks who, you know, understand the earth so well and come from different places, different backgrounds. I mean, your background's so different than Carl's, who's so different than, you know, your neighbor here. And it's just so cool to see the, the opportunity and the, the, the vibe that Paso has in that room. And I've always really attributed that vibe to the two of you, the people. It's the people here. Like I love what, Carl. And I'm, yeah. It's so I, cool that you guys are tight, too. I love that. <laughs> I love gathering. I love like, collabing with a couple different folks. And I was even, I think I was telling you this, Carl, like how fun this is going to be to have you know you and Edgar here. Like just to, you know, This is a great no, it is. meeting and, of the minds. i, I got to interrupt you there because, I mean, Carl's been an awesome person in the community. I mean, he's been so humble, so quiet a lot of the times. Like, you know, Eric Jensen is who he is, and I love him dearly. Uh, for being that loud piece for our pastor community who successfully accomplished so much. Scott Hawley for me was that scholarly driven person that I always admire. I love and him. you yeah. being in the mix with those two guys for a few years, that was fun. But like, I think that Paso is so connected to one another and we're so weaved around one another's respect and appreciation because everybody brings something different to the table and however you came to the table as long as you respect the table that's the best thing about it for for us yeah yeah Yeah, there's no one path you know and and no one individual that's going to do well um so it's 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 a it's a melting pot that's for sure paso is a great place for that and it's a very welcoming place and i hope that we continue that to be that way um for for generations i mean it's changing for sure but there's great things happening and and we the bar is still needs to be raised there's a lot lots of room for us to to grow past robles as a, a you know superior wine region and 
Um, maybe that, maybe that's not the right word. Just you know, exceptional wine region. Oh, it is for sure. Um, though I think you're right. And, and um, um, the sky's the limit. And you know, young folks like Edgar uh, can carry it way past my time. Um, but uh, it's, it's it's I'm just proud to be a part of the community. It's it's amazing. My favorite white grape is Roussan. And what you've done with this wine, I know it sat in the bottle for a couple of years. Was it 2017? This Roussan is just beautiful. Yeah, so it's a state fruit that we uh, that we grow. It's a it's a it's a you know it's a difficult grape. It's a bit of a bitch to to grow and uh, keep uh, keep the acidity in it and uh, it, the freshness in it. Um, so with this particular bottling, and we we do a small, tiny little bit of this. Um, 100% Roussan. We we barrel age it for 30 months. So th- li- literally think about this wine sitting in barrels for two and a half years. And then uh, then we bottled it up. And, uh, so you now, treat it like a Chardonnay almost, or not even, t- even yeah, more. Yeah, I mean, it's not a lot of new oak, but it's 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 allowing that micro-oxygenation to get that richness. Um, and, and every vintage, Stir that leaves, that batonnage. We, we definitely do that. And, Some um, mouthfeel. Um, we, we're cre- that's what we're trying to create, that richness, that fullness, that mouthfeel. Every year's a little bit different. Some, t- some years a little more acidic. Some years, and this is, you know, we've been sitting here, even though we're in the cellar, it's, it, it, it could be a little bit chill, more chilled. But, I like it this way. This but, is where I want it. Uh, I knew you liked, and I think yeah. Rhone white varieties are best experienced when they're not cold. Um, cellar they, temperature. They, they, cellar temperature is perfect. It's just an interesting experiment. That's the fun thing about wine. This is literally an experiment for us. It was like the first year we made it was like we had an extra barrel and it didn't make any of the other blends and it sat there for two and a half years and then we tasted it, it was like crap we should bottle this mm-hmm. and then every year it added another barrel another barrel another barrel and uh, um, we just l- literally a few months ago a, f- a month ago bottled the 2018 vintage but we're now no we're, way. this has not been released yet this will be released in the fall to 2017 wow. but the Roussan is uh, one of those varieties that it's ageable it has um, depth and uh, you know I, I, I've, I've Tasted some older Roussons and they're just they're just amazing. So give it give it time and yeah. I mean it's not a wine that's for everybody because it's not fresh. It's no, rich, if it's, it's not brown. for everybody, that means it's more for me. Yeah, um, I love this wine so much. It reminds me of when we were at Bocastel in Chateauneuf, and I forgot the way and I, I butcher the name because I don't speak good French. But they have an old vine Roussan, and it's like Vienvies or Viavine Viavine. Yeah, or old vine Roussan, and this one with those with that oak program and the you know a year on it or two years. I mean, shoot, this is a twenty seventeen. This is such a pretty wine. I love the weight. I love the complexity of it, and it's like I mean, you know, some wine is so good you don't want to eat it with food because you don't want. I just want all. I just want all you. Yeah, so you know that's I mean? why this will be this will be a fall release wine. This will come out in in September October. Good for you because it's a great winter winter white. You know, it'll it'll oh, go yeah. good with the richer foods, stews, and things of that nature. Um, so. Yeah. I love that we ended it. I love when we can go back. Like, you know, you have these wine dinners, and then sometimes you'll go back into a white. I love things like that. I love being, like, super unconventional with those. And we ended this day with a Roussan. This is awesome. I can't thank you enough. So check out Kaliza Wines, Carl Bowker, and then, of course, the end of the day wines in Tin City. And then uh, Edgar Torres, um, a man, he's got uh, Bodega de Edgar, which has just moved to Peachy Canyon as of this year. And then, uh, of course, the straight out of Paso brand. And then when you call call up Bodega, make sure you tell them that you heard them on the podcast and you want some songs and see if uh, uh, see if Brandon and uh, Edgar can hook you up. What a fun, what a fun afternoon. This was too good. Thank too you. good, guys. Nice. Cheers to where wine takes you. Cheers. Yeah. <laughs>
Give me that mm-hmm sound, boogie bow. We pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Thank you so, so much to Carl Bowker of Kaliza Winery. It's been a long time coming. I absolutely love conversations with him. Just a great guy. Uh, Kaliza Winery, end of the day wines as well. And much thanks to my friend Edgar Torres of Bodega de Edgar Wines, straight out of Paso, and even got a little late uh, sneak into those songs, opening that Carignan. Mm. And then that Syrah that Carl had, that Roussan, starting the day off with the 2011. Today, the wine's just nuts. I'll put links in the show notes if you want to hit up any of these brands. Wow, great conversation. Make sure you share with a friend. Also, hit up PasoWine.com before the next time you visit Kaliza, End of the Day, Bodega de Edgar, Straight Outta Paso, or any of our Paso wineries, PasoWine.com. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on Where Wine Takes You, Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective, available wherever you get your music, and you can learn more about them at moonshinercollective.com. Equipment transport and technical consideration provided by Fly With Wine. For more, flywithwine.com. Next time you're cruising on the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard weekday mornings on Wine Country Radio, The Crush 92.5. It's where we do the cork dorks and all the wine stuff. And my morning show, you can check it out. You can also stream online. It streams all around the world. Crush with a K. Crush925.com. Infinite thank yous for connecting with us here once again. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Until next time, let's lift that glass high to summer. Right? to exploring, sharing, and yes, always enjoying where wine takes you. And give me that sound, get by, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify and good company. Give me that sound, get by, pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify and good company. Give me that sound, get by, pass on down till the job is out in the trees, you will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass all around till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, you will simplify in good company.